You are listening to a broadcast of Dublin First Baptist Church, Pastor Cameron McGill in Dublin, North Carolina. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist Church and the Lake Church to hear from God's Word. This is the last session uh, of God Among Us, and I hope that you have gotten a lot out of it as I have. I always say that, but it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fun to do the studies. It's fun to be in the studies. You always get so much out of it either way, I hope. so. We've looked at uh, the call to repentance. We've looked at Jesus from the Samaritan woman, Jesus and uh, John the Baptist. Jesus being rejected was last week. Jesus the, and, and, and this week we're coming down to Jesus and Zacchaeus, and uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. I, the whole time I was reading this, I don't know if anybody else is doing this this week. If you're reading in your book, but the whole time this week, as I was thinking about, and that song just kept coming to my head, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Just, <laughs> and I would start typing my notes, and I would put Zacchaeus was, and they would pop in my head again. You know, so I don't know if anybody else was like that this week, but I certainly was. Uh, but it's an exciting study, and I have a video that I want to show. So I'm. I'm going to try to kind of keep everything rolling tonight because I do want to make sure I show this video because it's something the Lord le- uh, led me to show you tonight. I-, I know that it is because it really goes with specifically Jesus and Zacchaeus and the lesson this week, but it really goes with the whole overview, the whole uh, Bible study we've been doing these last seven weeks has been all about disciple making and looking at people the way that Jesus looks at people and understanding when he is looking at someone, you know, he's not seeing the things that we see. With the Samaritan woman, for example, you know, the people looked at her as an outcast and they looked at her as a person who, uh, uh, you know, w- was unacceptable and she, could, she was socially outcast, she was racially outcast from the Jewish people. But Jesus looked at her and saw a person that needed salvation. And we've seen from the very beginning that the salvation call goes out to everybody. And so I was kind of debating, should I show the video at the beginning? Should I show the video at the end? But I've come down to just deciding that I'm going to show at the end, okay? And it's not a very long video. It's no more than, no more than four or five minutes. But it really emphasizes what we've been talking about and looking at people the way that God looks at people. And so we're going to um, do that at the end. But I'm going to try to keep things rolling tonight. So I just want to kind of start briefly here. Zacchaeus uh, was, is a story of a man whom the people around him, in their minds, he was unsavable. And I think that was one thing that really the lesson really brought out this week is that he was unsavable because of what he had done. Because he had been a traitor, because he'd been extorting the people, collecting more tax money than was needed, uh, and those kind of things, uh, he was seen as unreachable, okay, because of the things that he did. And so that, that, that really leads into uh, um, making sure that we're not looking at people and saying, well, you know what, they're unreachable because of the things that they've done, because Jesus saw him and saw him as a need to be saved, and extended the gospel call to him as well, okay? Let me ask you this question just, just to get started. It's, it's on the back of your page, in page 74, but, but who are people or are there people in your life 
who need to see Jesus, but they feel unreachable. Maybe you feel they're unreachable, or maybe they feel like they're unreachable. Are there people in your life like that? You don't have to be specific, but are there people that we know or people that we think of that are unreachable? Are there groups of people? Let's, let's start a little bit broader. Are there groups of people that we might categorize as unreachable? Okay. That's... Okay. True, true. I don't think anyone's up, but uh, unreachable. I will agree with that. I, I would say, though, I think that sometimes our stereotypical, our human view, viewpoint well, makes us... Right, right. Right, but I don't think there's anyone that's not unreachable, that's for sure. And, and the comment was made, uh, perhaps Muslim people, and we see that sometimes a lot. I, I know a lot of missionaries that, um, personally actually, that are uh, in different parts of the world where it's a Muslim country, uh, and uh, they have a lot of risk on their life, but they've gone there because they realize that even those people, even Muslim people, are not unreachable, and they also need to hear the gospel, Okay. Um, some things for us to think about, and we don't have to answer this one necessarily out loud, but I would like for us to kind of think about it throughout the lesson tonight. Um, how are you helping others to see Jesus? And are you getting in the way? Maybe not intentionally. I don't know that, I don't think there's anybody in here that would say I'm intentionally trying to hide the gospel from somebody. Um, but are, are we unintentionally hiding the gospel? What are some ways that we can push past that opposition? And let me say this before we get into it, because Jesus spent time with Zacchaeus. He spent time with other sinners. But I want us to remember one important thing. He spent time with them. He built relationship with them. He went to their home, but he didn't participate in their sins, okay? And that's an important thing to remember, too. He didn't participate, but he, he did go to where they are, and he did build relationships with them. So there is, there is the fact that as we go out, we can build relationships, we can talk to people, we can, what a, you know, in our workplace or wherever without participating in the same things that they're doing uh, and still having a Christ-like character. So um, last week we looked at Jesus being rejected by his own family and friends because the people in Nazareth could not separate, okay, they couldn't separate Jesus the Messiah that was before them in the temple that day or the synagogue, from Jesus the boy and Jesus the young man that they remember growing up in the, in the town of Nazareth. And again, remembering that, you know, Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life, so we're not talking about, you know, all, you know, some people have a testimony, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but some people have a testimony of their life before salvation was so much different and so drastically different from their life after salvation. But that's not the case with Christ. But, but what I'm saying is, they didn't see him as anything other than Joseph's son, okay? Uh, and he's James's brother. He's Mary's son. Aren't his sisters here? Remember, we read all those other passages in Mark and Matthew and different things that are parallel to the story of Luke, in Luke, and that's what the questions. Isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't he the carpenter's son? Aren't his brothers and sisters here? Isn't it Mary's son? They couldn't push past that knowledge of him into the intimate knowledge of him being their savior. And it's the same way today with us. Perhaps 
There are some of you in here, and again, I don't know your testimony, but some people in here may have experienced that same kind of thing where you've said, you know what, my life before salvation was so different than my life now that some of the people who knew me before are having a hard time even still reconciling the two. And I don't know, that may not be the case for anybody in here. It may be. Jesus experienced that kind of rejection. But ultimately what people are doing is they are doing the same thing that people of Nazareth did. Okay? They are having a hard time reconciling who Jesus is with what they think they know about Jesus. Remember the world, we've talked about this a couple different times in our Sunday night sessions. The world is always telling people that Jesus is not the Messiah. They're always, there's History Channel TV shows and this, that, and the other, and it's always like Jesus the man and Jesus this and Jesus that, but it's never Jesus the Messiah. And so people today, it's, they're in the same position. They're having a hard time reconciling what they think they know about Jesus based on TV or whatever and what is actually true about Jesus based on the Bible, that he is the Messiah, he's the Son of God, he's the only hope, he's the Savior. And that's the, that's the point of rejection that came in. One thing that we also noted last week that I think is important to bring out is sometimes we are going to have times in our life where there's going to feel like rejection or rejection is going to be happening immediately following a time where we have a spiritual high, so to speak. Remember, okay, in Luke, as you go through the narrative from chapter 3 into chapter 4, you see Jesus being baptized in chapter 3, and you see that beautiful picture of the Trinity as God the Father speaks, and Jesus is there being baptized, and the Holy Ghost descends upon him in form of a dove, okay? All three present at one time, and it's a beautiful picture of the Trinity. And then all of a sudden, he's taken out into the wilderness, and he's tempted. We get to the beginning of chapter 4, but he's victorious over the temptation. He doesn't sin. He doesn't succumb to the temptation. He's victorious. So we've got this amazing picture of the Trinity. We've got victory over temptation. And then at the beginning of of our lesson last week in, in verses 14 and 15, Jesus is going to all these towns and cities and he's preaching and he's having success and people are saying, hey, this is great, we love it. You know, he's being glorified of all. And then in verse 16 it says he goes to Nazareth. And sometimes we're going to have that too. We're going to have that sometimes in our life. And maybe you've already experienced that. God has done something big and huge in your life and you know it and you remember it's like a milestone in your life but maybe within a few days or a few weeks or a few months maybe of that big event, something just hits you and you're like, oh. Understand that Jesus feels the same. He understands those things. We're told that in Hebrews. He understands. Remember, too, that Jesus told us that we would face rejection. I didn't read this last week, but I'm going to read it this week. Please go to Matthew really quickly. Matthew chapter 5. When we face rejection in this world, remember that Jesus told us that we were going to face rejection in this world. It shouldn't come as a shock or surprise to us that it's happening because we were told ahead of time. Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, verse number 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So not only is Jesus saying, hey, 
there's going to be hard times. There's going to be rejection. Okay, they're going to say things. They rejected me, and they also rejected all the people that came before. So we shouldn't be surprised when those things happen. What we should do is, as we see in Peter, we continue on. We count it all joy, and we continue on. And what did Jesus do in Luke 4.31? Go back there, too, as well with me. Go to Luke 4.31, because this was not a verse that was included in last week's lesson, necessarily. But I think it's important, because it's like the rest of the story, right? It's like Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. They're pushing him out in verse 28. They're pushing him out to the hill. They're going to throw him down. They're going to stone him. They're going to do whatever. They're going to try to kill him. Verse 30, but he passing through the midst of them went his way. And verse 31 says, and he sat down and was upset. Right? No, it says, and he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. Jesus was rejected. He faced rejection, but he continued on his mission. He didn't let that rejection stop him from what his mission was. And tonight we're going to see not only the theme verse of the Gospel of Luke, but also the theme verse, really, of this whole lesson, I think, when we get to Luke 19 and verse number 10. So please go with me now to Luke number 19, Luke chapter 19. I'm going to go ahead and read this whole story, because Zacchaeus is a very important lesson here tonight for us. So I want to read all, ver- all ten verses of this, of this episode, of this account of Zacchaeus. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for the day I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he has gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day salvation is come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the theme verse of Jesus' mission. That's the theme verse of the Gospel of Luke. That should be the theme verse of our life. That we are to go out and seek and seek and lead to salvation that which is lost. To lead them to salvation, to show them, to point out salvation. And I go back again here to verse 1 through 4 of chapter 19. Zacchaeus was a publican. He's a tax collector. And look again at verse number 1, or verse number 2, excuse me. He was the chief among the publicans. So we all know how government corruption works, right? The further at the top you are, the more corrupt, right? And, and, and the more benefits, right? Okay? It's like reading, I love reading um, Animal Farm. Have you ever read Animal Farm? Okay? If it hasn't, if your hand didn't go up just then, you should, you should go read it, okay? Anyway, here's the point, though. All, the pit, all of the animals were created equal, right? But some animals were more equal than others. That's how the pigs ended up at the top of the food chain with all the money, and they lived in the house and wore clothes and all that kind of stuff. Here's the thing, okay? He's at the top of the pile. He's at the top of the pig pile, okay? That's where he's at. 
He's the chief of the publicans, which means he's probably scraping a little bit of the top of what they're getting too. No doubt those publicans are out there and they're overcharging, right? We know that's what a lot of them are doing. Okay? Taxes $5. Well, you got to, you, you, I'm sorry, you owe 13, right? Whatever. Government corruption, right? Zacchaeus is skimming off people. He's probably skimming off his own publicans that are below him, too, right? He's taking all of it. He's wealthy. He's rich. But all of those publicans were traitors to the people of, of Israel because they were working for the Roman government. Okay? They weren't collecting taxes for any, they were collecting taxes for the Roman government. And they were extorting people and taking more than they needed. And they were living wealthy lives off of stolen goods, basically. Luxury. Now, I want to stop here for just a minute because it's important to, to mention this, okay? Money's not the root of all evil. The love of money, thank you. I'm glad you all said that, okay? The love of money, because this is not going to be a lesson about how bad it is to be rich, okay? Because that's not true. Love of money is what gets people in trouble. And that's what got Zacchaeus in trouble. He loved money more than he loved anything else. And he was willing to do whatever it took to get the money that he wanted. Let me ask you this question here. What are some other stories in the Gospels where Jesus taught about wealthy people and riches, and what can we learn from those stories? What are some other ones? The rich young ruler, good. Rich man and Lazarus. Good. All right, let's take those a little bit. The, the rich young ruler, what can we learn from that? What was going on there? Didn't want to give up his riches. He had a love of money. Okay, he didn't want to give up. He was sad because what did Jesus tell him to do? Sell everything, follow me. All right, how about someone said the rich man and Lazarus? Rich man had a comfortable life. Lazarus did not. And then after, after they both died. Both died. Right. What can we learn from that one? Can't take it with you. Okay, good. Eternal life versus earthly life. Good. All right, how about the last one then? What was the, the, the man that wanted the barns? He had an abundant crop one year. Instead of, he built bigger barns. Died that night. Pride of life, right? Right, right. Except for that picture. I don't know. I've never seen that, but Cameron found it. I was, I was surprised. But hey, but hey, you know what? You really can't take it with you. But, but the truth is, okay, uh, uh, all of these stories have one thing in common, though, right? Can you find What was true about all of the rich people in each of those stories? Maintain status quo, greed. Okay. Okay. 
Right. 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 They had blessing. Right. Right. So it ultimately caused them, I think, all of them, then to be blinded to what's going on around, right? Think about that. They were blinded to the needs of others. They were blinded to their own need as well. Okay? Good. Keep that in mind because it goes with the video. Keep that in mind. That's good. Thank you. Okay? goes with the video. They were blinded to their need. They were blinded to the needs of others. And we are called to be people who have the riches and wealth of heaven. Listen, we have the riches and wealth of heaven, and we have salvation. We have eternal life. We have the knowledge of where to find it and who, who is eternal life and how to share it. And what do we do sometimes? We hold it in, right? Instead of becoming a river, we become a reservoir. Okay? So there's a lot we can learn from those stories. Okay? Zacchaeus had obstacles in his way. Okay? He was short, right? All the people around him were tall. That's the first one. That's the obvious one. He's short. People are tall. Now, on the surface, it just kind of looks like, okay, he's got a problem. He can't help it. He's short. People are tall. Okay? Let's go back to, to thinking about this for just a minute, though. What has Zacchaeus been doing to the people of Jericho for who knows how long? Stealing from him, extorting money, charging more tax than was due. Okay? Do you think those people are like, oh, hey, man, come on. I know you're short, Zacchaeus, so come on up here to the front so you can see better. There you go, that's right. Here's, here's what I imagine, okay? I imagine people, they're crowded in, there's a press, okay, there's a lot of people, and here comes Zacchaeus, and they're like, psh. Right? I don't think it's just that he's short. I think they're purposely keeping him from getting to the front. Because they've decided Zacchaeus is unreachable. He's a traitor. He doesn't deserve to see Jesus. Okay? They knew him. Now, Zacchaeus may have wanted to go and see Jesus, perhaps. We don't know that, you know, uh, no doubt, I will say it this way, no doubt from Zacchaeus' efforts to go and see Jesus that day, I have to say that I think the Holy Spirit was working on him already. Okay? Here's another thing, though, too. I think Zacchaeus probably heard about Matthew. Don't forget that Matthew, one of the disciples who wrote the gospel as well, was a tax collector. 
I think obviously Matthew's life was changed by Jesus. No. No. <laughs> no, Zacchaeus is a different person than Matthew. Matthew's different. They're different. But see, they're, they're, they're both uh, tax collectors. They had the same occupation, but they weren't the same person. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Maybe he knew about Matthew and he wanted to see, okay, this man's life was changed. I wonder if Jesus could change my life. I want to know what's going on. I want to see. So he got rid of one of the obstacles by running ahead and climbing a tree. Okay? But here's the key, all right? And again, I think, I think I'm taking a little bit of liberty here, I realize I'm saying this, but if the Holy Spirit had been working on him already, I think he got to the place in his life where he realized that he had spiritual obstacles too. Remember, we had talked about that a little bit, that people have to recognize who Jesus is as the Savior. They have to reconcile that. They have to understand Jesus is the Messiah. They have to come to that point where they realize that Jesus is not just a prophet. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a man. He's not just... He is the Messiah. But people also have to come to a place in their life to where they realize that they need a Savior. And I'm not trying to add anything to salvation or whatever or change the gospel message, but, but just understand that. In this day and age, we've said this before in here, but in this day and age, sometimes people today, if you go up to them and say, hey, are you saved? They're going to be like, what? Saved from what? What do I need to be saved from? Because the church lingo that we have sometimes has been lost because we're not a culture that's as influenced as we as could have been. Some of y'all grew up in eras where, where everything was closed on Sunday. Who grew up like that? An era when everything was closed on Sunday. See, we don't have that anymore. We don't have that anymore. Okay, and so anyway, but, but getting back to the main point here, okay, Zacchaeus had spiritual obstacles in his way too. He had his love of money. He had his greed. He had a spiritual obstacle in his way that he had to overcome, not just a physical obstacle. And it got him when he heard Jesus was coming, and it got him to the place that he said, all right, I have got to get past this spiritual obstacle too. And he climbed a tree, which would have been undignified. It would have been something that would not have been done, but he didn't care. So I think in our lives we have to get to a place too where, you know what, we are coming before God humbly, not trying to keep our dignity, not trying to keep what humbly before God, realizing and recognizing our place and our need of Him. In what ways can crowds or churches get in the way of people seeing Jesus today? Okay. Okay. Don't invite. Okay. I'm sorry. Ritual. ritual. Okay. Yeah. Reducing it to just a ritual instead of. Okay. Alrighty. So we can get in the way. Is it possible that we could be in the way as well? Here's something. What what hinders us from childlike faith? That may be a uh, harder one to answer out loud. I think about that a lot, though. In this case, childlike faith. I think. When I think about childlike faith, I instantly think about, and maybe you do too for some of you, I think about my kids. 
And I think about the fact that Teddy or Andrew, Lila, they may ask where we're going to go eat. It's after Sunday, right, Dad? Where are we going to go eat? But they don't ever ask me, Dad, are we going to eat? And it's, and it's, and it's because I think they don't, they don't worry about those things because they don't, they don't think about it the same way that I do. Yeah, that's right. We're going home. Everything's closed, right? <laughs> can't go to can't go to San Jose. It's closed. It's Sunday. No. Uh, but 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 you know what, what I'm saying is they don't worry about those things, do they? They don't think about those things because when they get up in the morning, what's in the cupboard? Food. It's there. Lila loves waffles. I go to Costco and. Sam's Club, whatever, and get them big old Eggo waffle boxes, you know what I'm talking about? Just shove them all in the freezer. She's good. But they don't think about it the same way we do. Childlike faith. It's hard to do that. Molasses and butter and biscuits? That's good stuff. <laughs> Childlike faith. What does that look like in practice then? What would that look like in practice for a person? to exercise childlike faith. Right. So we end up being kind of like the rich man with the barns. So my generation is prepared to use this. Y'all lived in a sense of danger and time. But you did get a clue. Mm-hmm. Yet we treat the Lord like we're entitled to yeah. at any age. Right. At any age we can treat it that way. That's right. I've put this up here. Y'all know what that means, don't you? Nothing. Thank you. It means nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One person's in control, right? That's right. <laughs> but there's only there's only one person in control.
Good thoughts, good. Good thoughts. Well, let's plunge ahead in our story here, starting in verse number 5 of Luke 19. Good thoughts. I appreciate everybody's comments tonight. Thank you. It says in verse number 5, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, and as Zacchaeus is in the tree, saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. When they saw it, they murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest of a man that is a sinner. So Jesus here is having some opposition again uh, from the people around. Now I want you to notice here again, it was brought out in the book, but notice it that Jesus initiated the conversation. He didn't wait for Zacchaeus. Hey, look up here. Look at me. Jesus stopped what he was doing, turned around and looked at Zacchaeus and told him. And he called him by name. He didn't say, hey, come on down, guy. What's your name? Nice to meet you. I'm Jesus. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. Do you remember the day, it's just a side note here, but do you remember the day that God called your name and that you were saved? That's what's going on with Zacchaeus right here. It's the day that Jesus called his name out. And he knew that Zacchaeus was ready. He put himself in a position to see Jesus. He put himself in a place where he was ready. The Spirit had been working on him, I think, and he was ready now to see and to go and to hear and to accept. He saw himself in need. It's very possible, yeah, it's very true, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. He'd been like the Samaritan woman, right, trying to get water from an earthly 
cistern, an earthly pot. Are there barriers? This is a question in the book, too. Are there barriers that religious people put up that make it difficult to engage people in need of Christ? Okay. Okay, yep. I think the next question we kind of asked at the beginning, so I'll keep on going past that one. Or maybe I skipped that question. I think it's important, though. I'll come back to that question in just a minute. But the crowd initiated opposition, right? The crowd looked and said, why is he going to Zacchaeus' house? Why is Jesus going there? Because they didn't understand. And because they looked at Zacchaeus as a person who was unreachable, unsavable. He's a traitor. He stole from my mama, and he's stealing from me. Okay? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Right. Someone who's more comfortable to talk to, yeah. Put him in a, we put him there, yeah, in a category of, yeah. So that was one of the things I was just thinking about, or things probably you've thought about as well, no doubt. People who pursue addictions, and that was mentioned a minute ago, a drug addict, or people that live a constant lifestyle that is contrary to the Bible. We say sometimes that those people maybe are unreachable, or, as was mentioned at the beginning of our session, people who perhaps are purposely engaging in hostility towards Christians, right? And it doesn't have to be Muslim extremists, okay? There are people that purposely engage hostility in this country, but they use words instead of, right, words or laws or actions instead of actual physical violence, okay? 
Mm-hmm. You know, this is God. Draw A from this thing. Right. And, and, and churches endorse it. Right. Right. That was a barrier, perhaps, that religious people put up, though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there are those out there that that do those kind of things, that say those kind of things, and and uh, so it's a barrier. It's a barrier that goes up. Think about Trump. Right. 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 Yeah, you have. I do like what was mentioned though just a minute ago is that, and this is the point here. Jesus pursued all kinds of sinners. And it's a good thing that he did. Thank God that he pursued all kinds of sinners because we are all kinds of sinners, right? If your testimony here tonight, and I hope it is, I'm, you know, we're Sunday night crowd, so it, I'm saved, and I know what my life was like before, and I know what my life is like now, and I'm saved, and I'm serving the Lord, I'm being faithful and all that. It's because we were pursued but we all have the same thing in common. We are all sinners, and we all deserve. And it may be true that you didn't go some really way-off direction with your life before Christ, but you still needed a Savior. Because whether a person goes way off or whether a person is just barely away, it's missing the mark, and that's what the Bible says to us. All have come short. All have fallen short of the glory. Everyone's a sinner. Everyone has missed the mark. And so God pursues all kinds of sinners, and we don't have the right then to say that person is unreachable or unredeemable because in justice, all people deserve to go to hell. All people deserve to be punished for sins. So we have to be very careful about all of those. We all thank God that he pursues all types of sinners. Jesus celebrates repentance. Let's get down here to the very end, last three verses. Zacchaeus stood, verse number 8, said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half my goods I give to the poor, and if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said to him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of of Abraham, that's a really important phrase. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. We see an immediate change of heart. I think Zacchaeus heard people probably, and that was mentioned in the book. Maybe they heard he heard people murmuring, maybe he knew what was going on. But Zacchaeus had a real change of heart. Whatever it was that prompted him to say it at this particular moment, what ultimately prompted this is he had a real and genuine change of heart. He had a true encounter with the Messiah, and he went away that day never the same again because he had been saved. Salvation had come. 
he was under conviction from God. He no longer loved money. Now he loved God, and he wanted to go back and restore those things that he had taken. He wanted to go back and give back what he had taken. He wanted to uh, help those around him. He began to look and see the needs of others. I'm giving to the poor. The half of my goods I give to the poor. So he's no longer like those other rich men we talked about who day by day ignored the needs of others and built bigger barns and went by the guy at the gate every day and never stopped and and couldn't sell his stuff and follow Jesus. Now he sees the need and he's willing to help with the need because he sees other people. And ultimately, that's the reason that Jesus came. I love this right here, okay? Everyone deserves forgiveness. Now, here's the thing. Okay, look at verse number 9. Salvation has come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. The promise and the blessing came through Abraham. Don't forget that. Okay? When you go to those genealogies, we skipped it, I know, last week in in Luke chapter uh, 3. But when you go to those genealogies in the Bible and you see Jesus and it traces back, it goes to Abraham. Because the promise was given to Abraham that in his son all nations would be blessed. And through Isaac, the son of the promise, the Messiah came. Now Zacchaeus is not saved because he's a son of Abraham. Okay, he's not saved because he's a son of Abraham. He's saved because he trusted in Jesus Christ. He believed in Jesus Christ. He was saved in the same way that everyone else is saved. But Jesus is making a point here. He's saying Zacchaeus is not unreachable. Zacchaeus is not unable to be saved. He's a son of the promise. He's a son of Abraham. He has the ability, and I have not rejected him. The crowds called him unredeemable. The crowds called him unsavable. The people around him said he's a traitor. He'll never be saved. They rejected him. They wouldn't do anything for him. They blocked him from seeing Jesus, but Jesus said he is a son of Abraham, Like you guys are son of Abraham, he is redeemable. He can be saved. And he was that day. And that's ultimately the point. We all deserve punishment. But the call to repentance has gone out to everyone. Just as it went out to Zacchaeus. And just as he was that son of Abraham who still was redeemable. There is no one who is unredeemable. I want to do this quickly. Just to kind of finish up, there's a couple. There's a lot of other things we could say, but I want everyone please to go to 2 Corinthians with me. This is one of the last things that was mentioned. And I, think it's, I think it's well worth a, a look really quickly here before we watch the video. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I know what time it is. 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 11. What are the characteristics of biblical repentance? I went too far. Uh, We missed the question somehow. Anyway, verse number 9. Now I rejoice not that you are made sorry, but that you you sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. Paul's rejoicing over the Corinthians because they have godly sorrow. That's a characteristic. They have godly sorrow. They have the right kind. You ever been sorry you got caught? Okay, I think we could all say that. I could say that too. Okay, (laughs) you're sorry you got caught. I had a lot of people in my classroom when I was a teacher, they were sorry they got caught, but they weren't really sorry they did what they did. Okay? 
what kind of sorry? For godly sorrow worketh repentance, and that's the, that's the key. Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. What does that mean? It means, listen, he was sorry to the point that he recognized his sin and his need of salvation, and it was godly sorrow. Therefore, he accepted Christ as a Savior. He repented of his sins, and he didn't regret that he repented of his sins. He didn't regret that day. For behold, this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you. Look, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what revenge, and all things have proved yourselves to be clear in this manner. Wherefore, though I wrote unto you, it would not for this cause have done the wrong, for his cause had suffered wrong, that to care for you, the sight of God might appear to you. So the characteristics of godly salvation appeared in Zacchaeus. And it showed in the change of his heart. Through his actions and his attitude. And the way that his life was changed. Now that's ultimately the goal. That's ultimately the thing that we're trying to get to. Is okay. In our own lives even. Of true, and, and, uh, true biblical repentance. But, but the idea here that Zacchaeus experienced it that day true biblical repentance, and it's because he saw Jesus Christ for who he was. He saw Jesus Christ as the Messiah, and he saw himself in need of being saved. Now, to wrap it all up at the end here, okay, and I'm getting ready to show this video. When we go out of the walls, we look at people, and, and hopefully we begin to see them the way that Jesus sees them. We don't look at them and say, you know what, that person is a drug addict and they're never going to get saved. That person is a homosexual and they're never going to get saved. That person is this, they're never going to get saved. We don't, we don't look at them that way. We don't look at them in, in, in the way that the Samaritan woman was an outcast. We don't look at them in the way that people looked at Zacchaeus. The call to repentance goes out to all and our uh, call in our life is to extend the call of repentance and see people the way that God sees them. Did you see what was going on there? I think the big thing we can take away from that, hopefully for our whole session and, and for the future, is have our spiritual eyes on, right? Have our spiritual eyes on, and when we see people, see them the way that Jesus saw them. And don't see them as a person who needs to be pushed aside or undeserving or whatever, but see them as the way Jesus sees them. I know I've held you a little bit longer tonight, but I hope that that is... Uh, it's been worth it, I, I hope so. Let's uh, stand together.